and you're listening to the Staff Room Podcast with Che, Hurricane Cheney, and Pav, Wonder, Woman, Wonder. We talk casually, yet poignantly, about the most relevant topics in teaching today. So come and hang out with us. We're always in the mood for a great conversation. Welcome and thank you for joining us on the Staff Room Podcast. Today you are tuning in to a special episode of our Amplify and Inspire series, where we highlight individuals doing incredible, important, and inspirational work within education. Today we are lucky to be featuring Brian Romero-Smith, husband of one and father of four, school partnership manager for Nearpod and Vocabulary, podcast host, avid musician with a killer voice. We met Brian months ago when we were guests on his podcast, Making Learning Addictive. Today, we are thrilled to speak more to Brian about his passions and also his work with Nearpod and Vocabulary and the other very important work he's involved in. We're really excited to talk to you, Brian. So welcome and thank you so much for joining us on The Staff Room today. Wow. Thank you very much. It's it's an honor and a privilege to be able to do this and be here with you guys. Brian, thank you so much for joining us. And Pav uh, read off your very powerful resume, and I immediately jotted down notes. It said, "I need to work on my resume and my accomplishments." Cause the, the, <laughs> only, the only thing we'd say is, "Chase a gym guy," but um, you bring so much to the educational space, which is one of the reasons Pav and I were so excited to reach out and talk to you. And she referenced that first podcast we were on, we were a guest on your podcast, and that was sort of the connection. But you know what really connected was that love of music. And I know we had some, <laughs> a few brief interactions in Twitter and we've connected on the drive and we've connected in yeah. uh, a few Twitter chats. And one of the moments when I said, oh, we need to have Brian on our Amplify series is when I asked you a question about Johnny Bristol and you would know exactly what song it was. I said, oh, Pav, if, if we know Johnny Bristol, we, we have got an unwritten synergy. Um, and so for our audience... Um, they may not be as familiar with our work with your work. We have a big audience in Ontario, Canada, and so we'd really mm-hmm. love for you to introduce yourself, your passions, your motivations, and uh, sort of your take on the educational journey and exactly how your motivations and passions have linked to your vision and mission in the educational space. Well, first, let me start off by saying my daughter is super excited that I'm talking to you guys today. <laughs> Um, because, you know, she's been dying to get to Canada and the more connections I make, you know, north, north of the border, she, you know, she gets, you know, a little, she, she thinks she's going to get an invite later on. <laughs> oh, that <laughs> invite is open. <laughs> she's got welcome. her passport ready for oh, sure. Sweet. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, you, you mentioned, uh, uh, there was a lot of questions in there. Um, uh, but let me start by saying that, you know, I'm, I'm an educator first, you know, with anything that I do here. You know, as far as my brand is concerned, um, I remember the first day I stepped into the classroom in 1997. Um, it's a while back, and I had no clue what I was doing. Um, but I learned very, very quickly by looking into the eyes of those students and listening to their voices and and getting involved into their stories. Uh, 
you know, that was the catalyst for me, you know, trying to redevelop the way that we teach, the way that we relate to students and the way that uh, we develop community over compliance. You know, that was, you know, a mission of mine way back then uh, in 97. Uh, and it's kind of evolved since as I, you know, gained a little bit more experience uh, through those years. You know, I started in elementary. Uh, I taught middle school Chinese history for a year. Uh, have no clue how I got that job, but, uh, <laughs> but 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 I did it. But it caused me to to learn how to research uh, and learn how to present, um, you know, interesting facts in, in innovative ways. Um, but then I went and, and started to teach at-risk students uh, world history and world geography, which is a passion of mine. I'm not you know, I'm not perfect, you know. I, I believe in uh, understanding history, but I knew that kids were were not engaged, you know, with historical information and facts. Uh, so this was an at-risk you know group who were who were in jeopardy of not you know, graduating from high school if they didn't pass this course. Uh, and I found ways to reach those students. And, you know, those, those were my inspirations for the things that I do. And what I found out was the key was building the relationships with them first, but then finding out a way to help them fall in love with learning for learning's sake. You know, it wasn't the magic of, you know, my planning, lesson planning. It wasn't the, the magic in, you know, my delivery. It was meeting them where they were and helping them find their own motivation for learning and letting them loose from there. So um, I, I don't know if I, you know, answered your question at all because <laughs> there was a lot in there. <laughs> you did. You did a fantastic job of answering, and and I I even I took some key notes there, um, namely to start off in when you talked about the key was to build relationships and have them fall in love with learning. That really was a point that resonated with me. And you were talking about students that were at risk, and I think that as educators. Um, we try and do that as much as we can for all of our students because essentially that's that's where the best learning happens. That's that's how it happens, and so um, that that ties really in really nicely into what I wanted to talk to you about next um, on your website. As we were, uh, you know, we know you, we know you really well. We've been interacting with you for like a, about a year now. Um, but when it comes to, you know, small details about you or just picking on things that uh, we'd love to, you know, ask you a little bit more about, there was a tagline on your website that drew uh -huh. our attention. And that tagline was relationships, relevancy, and a real good time. Oh, yeah. um, we'd love to hear you elaborate on these three R's. And within education, they're they're very important R's. So tell us what mm -hmm. that means to you and how maybe that tagline might have come about. Wow, this is really key because um, I, I had a conversation with my my best friend, who is my mom, uh, you know, about, you know, growing up this, this past weekend. Um, and we talked about, you know, I, I'm not sure if you wanted to get, get into this, but we talked about um, how my educational career began, you know, as a student, mm -hmm. um, you know, um, you know, I'm African-American. We came from extremely meager, you know, uh, beginnings. Um, but my parents worked three jobs in order to send us to private school. Um, and many times we were the only uh, African-Americans in, in each of our classrooms. I'm saying we, as in my two sisters, actually, we, we integrated the school, my, me and my two sisters. Mm. Um, and we, we, we talked about the struggles then, um, and 
the lack of relationships that I had. You know, we had to figure out how to balance life, you know, living in that, learning in that community, then coming home and living in another community. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was not acceptance on either side. Um, you know, mainly we were the outcasts in the school setting, but we were too, we, we were too, de- too good, you know, for the neighborhood, you know, in the home setting. And it was, it was a struggle as a kid. And there was this one teacher, Miss Purdue, I'll never forget her. Um, she was my third grade teacher. And she taught me at that point that, you know, it's not them, it's not me that has to figure out how to adjust, you know, to this world. It's the world that has to figure out how to adjust to me. Um, and I, I realized at that moment that she was trying to connect with me. And I didn't know what that was like. I didn't know what that was, what, what the purpose was. But we went through this entire third grade year where she taught me on a different level. Uh, and she taught me who I was. Um, uh, educationally and, and uh, academically. Um, and I knew then that that was the key. She took the time out to meet me where I was. And even in third grade, I knew that that was the moment that would change everything for me. Because the rest of my uh, educational career was a hot mess, hot, hot, hot mess. Mm-hmm. And I vowed when I became a teacher that I will never let a kid experience what I experienced, except for that one teacher, Miss Purdue. Uh, and that was my motivation. So building relationships was first, building equity within a child, getting them know, getting to know them on the very uh, meager levels, you know, of life, um, you know, was my beginning. But then I realized that I can't teach this kid if I don't make it also relevant to what it is that they're actually going through, what it is that they're experiencing. So building the relationships helped me find what that relevancy was. But then once again, once I made everything relevant uh, and apply these, you know, authentic learning experiences and these immersive opportunities, you know, where they were, I needed to make sure that we added just a little bit of hypeness in order to make sure that they fell in love with it and it was continuous. Mm-hmm. You know, we can, we can make them, you know, excited for a moment and we, we can show some enthusiasm in the classroom and they get hyped up about the activity. But then the moment they leave you, you know, they're going to get somebody else who's not going to be on that same level and they're going to leave that, lose that passion. So what can I do to make it a real good time, you know, for those students to where once again, that love of learning, was ingrained uh, and they never left it, you know? So we always talk about those letters we get from kids after they leave our classrooms. Uh, every one of them that I would get would say, my goodness, I wouldn't, I didn't want to leave your classroom, you know? And every class teacher that I had, I was always reminded of what you told me and that's what got me through. So those are the kind of experiences that I wanted to build by building relationships first and making it relevant then have, giving them a real good time. That's where that came from, by the way. Oh, that, that's a, a real good story. I jotted so many notes down there, Brian, because I'm starting to piece together one section of your story to another section of, of your story. And it's uh, like I'm jotting down things here. And yes, you did answer my question because my questions are all over the place. So much so sometimes so that I hope I say something that inspires a response. So uh, I'll call this my teaching style, but you may actually call it no style at all. Um, <laughs> so good. I, 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 <laughs> I, I love the fact that you made one reference to uh, Miss Purdue 
trying to build that relationship. And you, and you talked a little bit at first that maybe you weren't sure what was going on mm-hmm. uh, as a student when we're trying to build those relationships. I think sometimes as a teacher, um, because we're doing it consistently and we're modeling it and we're very intentional with it, it becomes very natural. But we can't assume all our students are starting sort of at this even space right. and they're all comfortable with, right. I'm going to build a relationship. Many right. of our students have had nothing but negative experiences. And so you as a teacher have to be, it, when you said that, reminded me, as teachers, we have to be very intentional, but we can't also expect that we're going to uh, forge and bond a great relationship in two or three activities or one or two days. There are students right. that bring real legitimate issues and have been uh, marginalized consistently in the system. And so that work of building a relationship, we have to realize and all our students are just going to gravitate to us quickly and say, oh, yeah, everything's great. So I really like that you were really open and honest about you as a student, like, like what's going on here? And then it takes a while to appreciate um, our, our teachers and our education system trying to really reach out to build those relationships. So that that really jumped out to me. I loved the statement you made, equity within a child. I don't think I've heard that explicitly like that. So I jotted that down. Not there's a question associated with that, but when you're talking and I'm absorbing and I'm learning, I'm like, oh, I, I really like that. I can gravitate with that. And then this, this is going to lead into sort of our next question, because we really want to talk um, some a little bit of specifics. And I think our specifics are connected to sort of this philosophy of a real good time. And we want this real good time to be an extension beyond simply a teacher. It's great that our students connect with a teacher. But as a teacher, I don't want my students' love of learning to be dependent on me. I want them, like you said, to have yes. such a love of learning that... Once I get away from maybe the teacher that really resonates with me, they've really given me something that allows me to continue to learn without them being the dependent factor. And so it leads me to this idea of, of music and storytelling and relevancy and relationships and that music tends to be this great yes. way to solidify this. And this leads me into, you know, now the very formal question. When it comes to culturally relevant and responsive pedagogy, why is music so important? And tell us a little bit with your experience with Nearpod and vocabulary, and for this need for and essentialness to bring hip hop culture, hip hop music into the mm-hmm. curriculum to help make school a real good time. Yeah. So first of all, music is foundational. Um, uh, <laughs> everyone you comes into this world musically, you know, not that we all play music or that we can sing or things of that nature, but there, it is a musical moment, you know, the heavens sing, you know, when, when, a, when a child is born. But when we look at the reality is, you know, the way that kids connect to, to learning in the very beginning is through music. Um, you know, we, we learn to sing our ABCs, you know, we, we, we learn community through community songs. I mean, Sesame Street is huge, mm. you know, you know, and bringing, bringing music, you know, into the learning experience. So it's, it's foundational. Uh, the key is to build upon that foundation. Now, music is life for me as well, though. You know, I, I grew up in the midst of, of music. Um, we were, my dad just celebrated 75 years uh, of life. Uh, on the 26th of February, and we we had a Zoom call because we you know, we all can't you know get you know get together mm-hmm. still, and we we my two sisters and I were reminding him of the foundation that he established with music for us. Uh, we talked about singing, you know, because we all sing, being up two three o'clock four four o'clock in the morning learning harmony, mm-hmm. you know, and we reminded him of the song that we hated the most. 
because uh, we were tired, but it's called I Don't Feel No Ways Tired. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and we're up, you know, all, all the time singing this. But it taught us what harmony was. It taught us what melodies were. Uh, it, it taught us how instruments and uh, vocals fit within to create musicality, you know, at a very young age. And I kind of look at that as a rhythm of life. There's so much going on in life. There's so many instruments, you know, involved. There's, there's, there's race, there's politics, there's economics. And if we listen close enough, we can actually start to blend these things together to make some real good music to solve a lot of problems in life. Uh, we kind of connected when I, I mentioned um, Marvin Gaye, you know, was, uh, we were talking about the song, What's Going On. And, um, you know, mm, I we remember realized, that. Yeah, we realized that that song, you know, was, you know, over 30 years ago. Well, actually, no, 50 years ago. Um, I forget this, 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and he was talking about issues that we're still struggling with, you know, today. And the real question is, what's really going on, right? Mm-hmm. So music, you know, began to tell those stories. You know, I'm getting to the hip hop aspect of it. <laughs> to tell those stories of the struggles that we're going through that were not necessarily taught in school, but gave us an opportunity to converse around. You know, it brought us together, you know, in this little bonfire of love to where we can actually express our our concerns, our issues, our ideas, you know, and our hopes. You know, that's what music was, you know, for a lot of us. So when we talk about, you know, hip hop, hip hop began, you know, if we look at the history of, of hip hop began along those same lines, you know, there's some similarities to it, you know, uh, you know, on the East Coast to where, you know, you know, it started at a, at a party. You know, to where a DJ got on and started doing some different things, but the idea was they were trying to uh, break the constructs, the, the the systematic issues that they were dealing with politically. You know, in in those uh, those areas, and hip hop was a way to tell those particular stories. Um, and we, as at Vocabulary, kind of take that particular mantle to tell the stories of education. You know, in a way that students can actually connect to. Um, When we think about cultural relevance to it, you know, we're trying to reach students on a level uh, to where we're meeting them where they are. You know, we know that hip hop is the number one genre in the world, according to Rolling Stones right now. Um, So everyone, you know, has some sort of uh, experience with it. So why not take what it is that they already have at home and bring it into the school and find another way to relate to content with it? Um, It's kind of the, 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 the brainchild behind it. But I don't know if you know, it actually began as a way to c- prepare for SATs. Oh, didn't know that. Yeah. So our founder uh, was struggling with vocabulary, simply put, you know, as a collegiate student, you know. So how can I you know, prepare for these you know, SATs, these GMATs and these, these uh, uh, other, you know, deep tests to where vocabulary is uh, the essential aspect of it? And he was able to put it to music to help them to understand the concepts or to learn the concepts. And that's where vocabulary began. So it's that same magic that we just put into the classroom, let the kids bop their head to it while they learn, because it reminds them of how they began to learn back in kindergarten or pre-kindergarten with mm-hmm. music. Mm-hmm. And and in my experience with vocabulary in the classroom, the kids are just, they're, they're singing these songs uh, with all kinds of learning happening, you know, about the scientific method. They're, they're singing these songs in the hallway 
afterwards. Yeah. They they go back and rewatch and rewatch because it's not just the music that's captivating, it's the videos that go with it and uh, the vocabulary that flashes on the screen that helps them to just really absorb all of that information um, in on a completely, you know, on, on a level that's specifically made for them and their developmental mm -hmm. stages. And it's so, their voice. yeah, that's right. And so because it is something that is recognizable to them as their voice, uh, something that they relate to on so many levels, it, it is something that sticks. And so they want they want that more because it helps them to remember. So I think that that's that's so key. And that statement that you made at the very beginning of that 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 conversation right there, music is foundational. It's it's powerful. It's something that we all know, but do we actually really think about that and consider that? And you spoke about your history with music, and you were singing from a very young age, and you were working on harmonies with your family in the middle of the night and learning about what all of those things mean to music. And I know that as adults, we reflect on those things and we think back, well, if the key is just right, then that harmony sounds perfect. Mm -hmm. the, if the pitch is right, then the harmony sounds perfect. But do we relate those things back to what life is? You know, if we can match my, uh, my harmony with yours and with yours and with yours, we get this perfect tune. Um, it's such a powerful thing as adults to reflect on. And, and I sometimes mm -hmm. wonder if if children, if young people, if adolescents also make those connections, um, maybe more subconsciously, um, maybe not as in such a reflective way as, as we perhaps do. But it, it's something to really think about. And, and I have yeah. to say that um, uh, I'll let you respond to both of these things in just a second. I wanted to tie it into this last question that I had for you. Um, thinking back to your podcast and and Che and I, uh, obviously, you know that we we love music and we love to celebrate music and we make lots of connections between music and education. We do it weekly. Um, mm -hmm. And we know that you do the same thing. And when we were on Making Learning Addictive, it was one of the, the requests was to bring music with you that was meaningful, that, yeah. that described who you were, that described your journey. Um, and so I'm connecting those things together. And, and I wanted to ask you a little bit more about the podcast and how that came to be to talk about music and education together, the connections to music. We know that it's meaningful to you in your life, mm -hmm. um, but we love how you pull it out of other people as well. So yeah. um, reflect on that a little bit. And also, if, you, if you'd like to touch on that previous comment about the foundation and the reflection and you know, harmony in life, I suppose. Uh, please, please do that as well. Sure. Um, I think the, the, the music aspect to what I do with making learning addictive uh, began with, um, well, actually, it began with, you know, when I go out and speak at, at times, I would always ask, what is, you know, your walk up song? Mm -hmm. um, you know, as we were, especially when I start talking about teacher brands, uh, what is your walk-up song? You know, what is the song that represents, uh, you know, who you are and what it is that you're trying to do in life? Um, but the the other key, <laughs> which which is which is kind of funny, you know, to me, uh, is my my kids, you know, reminded me, you know, of this little game that they actually used to play, and it began to connect with with rhythm. Um, you know, remember hopscotch? Mm -hmm. I don't know if anybody remembers hopscotch. Mm -hmm. Draw little squares on the on the concrete. 
but there were songs that you were actually supposed to sing as you hopped through the squares. And what it was doing was helping you figure out the rhythm that you were to hop to in order to make it through to the top. Uh, and, and it connected with me at that time that as we are learning, we live through, I mean, we have this rhythm that we're actually beating, I mean, that we're actually walking through. And I'm, I'm saying this, my son is looking at me because he was my inspiration behind this. Uh, do you mind me telling him, Jackson? Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So my keynote was based around him. Mm-hmm. Jackson, Jackson hears music all the time, you know, in his head. Uh, he can't he can't sit still in the classroom because he doesn't want to because he's constantly dancing, mm-hmm. uh, and he would get in trouble a lot. Um, and then when it would come time to to have these conferences with the teachers in regards to why he was in trouble, it uh, makes me a little emotional. Um, they will always say well, he's always singing in the back of the classroom. So, uh, I, and then as a teacher, I'm like, I don't, I don't see anything wrong with that at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you know mm-hmm. not, not at all. So I said, okay, so was he distracting, you know, you know, the other two students? No, 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 not really. Uh, was he distracting you? Yes. You know, he was distracting me a little bit. So I, so one teacher in particular, I said, so what was he singing? And she says, well, he was singing this song uh, that I was playing on the radio. I was like, well, 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 actually you're playing the music in the classroom that he's just simply connecting with. Mm-hmm. So did you? So you found a way to reach my child, and all he is doing is trying to show you that in the back of the classroom. Connect with him, and I mean, he just he just struggled through elementary because they just could not understand him. So I began to talk to teachers about you know, can you find out what he's singing and then become the leader of his band. And at the same time, while you're doing that, look back to the songs that inspired you to make you move in life and then talk to him about that. Cause I promise you, you'll build a, be able to build a relationship with him. And that's kind of where it began. You know, I was like, you know what? We all have our songs. We have that. We all have that song that makes you cry. We all have that song that, that makes you think that well, that song that fires you up. I mean, look, you can't do a workout without having your you know, your playlist to get you motivated to finish the workout at the gym. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, we all have that. You know, and the reality is, that's how we make it through life. That is simply put. Kids taught us that from the beginning. Oh, Brian, that's uh, it's, it's such power right there. And just, you know, it's your story there. Like your son opened up, that gave the access point and said, you're playing music and, and I'm diving right into the music and I'm engaging in it. And then all of a sudden we close that access point off or we don't recognize that access point. Our students tell us in a variety of different ways on how they're interacting and engaging in that learning space. It's It's such a sort of a gut-wrenching story where this teacher maybe accidentally and maybe that's the best way to teach sometimes you know you you have the you have to anticipate that everything can be an access point for our students to dive into our into our learning space and then to open it up with music and then to close it right back down since such mixed messages to our learners oh i value music if i'm playing it on my time and my way for my purpose Amen. but what happens if right. that 
that music turns into something more. Am I open? Am I ready for it? It reminds me to, you know, Pat and I have been talking a lot about everyone talks about student voice, student voice, student voice. But do we think beyond that? Because what happens when the student's voice doesn't validate what we're already hoping they're going to say? Are we ready to act upon it? And so we often say we want student voice. And I always, I don't want to say I push people, but I'm like, for my own teaching, I want student voice and I have to make sure that I'm ready to respond to something I'm not prepared to respond to and go with that with that flow yes. and that's what i took uh from that story yes and then of course you did talk about um marvin gay and what's going on and i was gonna sing a little bit but then i realized well i'm on with brian so i'm not gonna sing at all <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll keep my singing to the staff room podcast um but when you said that it triggered I immediately thought of um, Mercy, Mercy Me, The Ecology, because mm-hmm. it still is relevant today. Mm-hmm. I think inner city blues make me want to holler. Ooh. It still is relevant Come today. Come on now. <laughs> flying high in the in the sky. And like, oh, like every song still holds such yes, pertinence. And, you know, one thing that one of when I think of how have I embedded music in my teaching, I've actually used that whole album. And I said, OK, really? you guys have this song. You have this song. You have this song. You have this song. Let's explore. Let's make connections. Let's let's dive deep. And students don't even reference the fact that it's from 1971 right. until we actually discuss a little bit of the album cover in which would be by today's standards to be very mild, but mm-hmm. you put it in context, uh, you know, that 1971 album cover with even the facial hair and the leather was, you know, almost revolutionary in 1971 and also revolutionary for, for Marvin Gaye's sort of image. Um, and so it's all these things are flowing in my mind as you're telling uh, these great stories and, and connecting through music. And it reminds me of uh, one task Pav and I embedded this year because you know, we've been sort of, we're big fans of music, but sometimes you need a little validation to be able to think, oh yeah, you know what, I should push a little forward with with my with our music. And we actually did biography this year where students picked a song and then they chose uh, three lyrics that were the lyrics that told their biography. So mm. rather than writing a biography story, they chose a song and they used a song to say, this is my story through music and so as you were telling that story it just made me feel like we we were on the right path because sometimes as teachers you you do experiment but you like to hear that you're on the right path from other people and i think anyone that's listening to this podcast is already thinking right here i hope they're thinking music is a gateway and an access point to so much more it's not just some uh frivolous item on the side we really want to embed it in the heart Mm-hmm. Uh, of our curriculum and so in that long-winded speech where there is no question let me <laughs> let me direct uh, a question for you you know anyone that's been listening maybe they're really excited they want to find out where you are what you're doing what you're a part of uh, let our audience know how they can connect uh, or and if and how they can observe and where they can see the great work and and how we're really making this hip-hop uh culture hip-hop ed vocabulary something foundational because you said that music is foundational how can we connect and follow you so we can all have more opportunities to to better and and keep learning uh thank you i appreciate you giving me that opportunity um if if people are interested in finding more about vocabulary and what we do you know that's just simply just going to vocabulary.com um i don't talk a lot publicly you know uh, about it unless i'm doing some sort of conference uh, about what it is that I do, because one, I'm trying to main, uh, make sure that um, it's a part of the voice and not the you know, the only thing that 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 I do. Uh, so people can find me on Twitter mostly uh, at Brian R Smith Senior. Doc, oh, sorry, I'm about to say dot com. 
Brian Arsmith Sr. You know, I, I, I am on, on Instagram and, and Facebook, but I, I really leave those to the weekends and just, you know, family uh, um, activity. You know, I, I try to have some sort of balance what I do professionally and uh, and personally with family. So um, so find me on Twitter. Uh, my website needs to be revamped, as we just figured <laughs> out, in, in, you know, in this show. So I am working on that because we are rebranding. Uh, but Making Learning Addictive actually is a, a live broadcast that actually comes on um, uh, three Thursdays out of the month. Um, so uh, actually a show coming up this, uh, well, I don't know what the relevancy of of the timing of this, but, you know, usually it's the first Thursday we take off. So it's the, the final three Thursdays of the month. If there happened to be a fourth Thursday, we will take that off as well. So I try to keep it in the number three because that's the mm-hmm. number for perfection. Um, and um, you can also find me at, I'm going back to producing podcasts. I used to do that back in the day. Um, so I like being behind the scenes, to be honest with you. Because mm-hmm. I, I enjoy amplifying people's voices and, and their stories. Uh, I think that was my real uh, purpose on this earth. Um, God has really blessed me in so many ways, but He didn't bless me just to bless me, He blessed me to bless somebody else. Mm. So I've gone back to doing that. So uh, if people are interested in starting their own podcast or are trying to find their voice, you know, that's what I'm going, I've gone back to doing that. Um, so you can, you can find me pushing other people's podcasts. Mm-hmm. Usually that's because I'm producing it. Um, but usually I'll make those uh, indications on Twitter. So find me on Twitter. Let's hook up. I got y'all. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, Brian. And uh, we love that, that, that you're amplifying the voices of other people's stories, because that's, that's so much of what we, Che and I try to do as well. And uh, this, this series was really important to us because we do see so many people that are doing incredible things. And we just, we love to be able to highlight that work because everything, and I'm going to tie it back to music, all of these things are working together to harmonize education. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so we, we love to be able to amplify the voices of others as well. So we thank you so much for, for sharing your story with us and, and sharing everything that pushes and drives and inspires you as an educator, as a musician, as a father, as a husband, and, and the man that you are. So thank you so much, Brian, for speaking to us today for our Amplify and Inspire series of The Staff Room. We do appreciate hearing more, hearing about so many of your amazing passions. So thanks again for talking to us on The Staff Room. Thank you, guys. Brian, thank you very much. Isn't he lovely? (laughs) And thank you for joining us on the Staff Room Podcast.